This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello everyone, uh, welcome to another podcast session by the HISA team. As usual, what we do every Monday is we sit down and just have an overview, a discussion of how markets generally are moving. We try and just have an, an outlook of how markets have also opened on Monday as we uh, prepare ourselves for what's likely to happen um, the next uh, coming week. So whatever we are doing uh, this week generally is to give you once again an overview of how markets closed last week. Um, on Monday, what we always do, and like unlike our show on Friday, what we do every Monday is we focus purely on the Nairobi Securities Exchange. Um, so that's it. Uh, I'm here. I'm joined by one of our analysts, and I'll just be able to let him introduce himself as usual, and then we proceed. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Davis Kadenji, and I'm glad to be here with you this morning. All right, uh, awesome, Davis. Let's let's get to it. Let's let's really start by how the markets closed last week. Uh, for a very long time, we've 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 been seeing um, the NSE for the past three weeks. NS, the NSE has has been declining, um, but then last week we saw a positive turn uh, on 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 the NSE that starts from the all share index, the twenty five and the twenty share index. Um, I know the main thing that people are really looking into is the NSE twenty share index, which is always seen as a major benchmark for. The most performing stocks on the NSE also always seen to some point as an economic benchmark, um, but also at the same time the all share index as well. So just to give guys the figures, the NSE twenty uh, closed the week higher. Uh, it gained about zero point seven six and closed the week at um, at at uh, eighteen eighty two point nine six basis points. Uh, the Ultra Index closed the week at 165.08. That's a 4.1% increase. At the same time, I think it would be important to just note how the markets really closed uh, in terms of uh, volume and turnover, where uh, we we are seeing um, the turnover for the NSC uh, rise as well by about 13%, uh, generally about 13.88%. To 2.34 billion. That's from last week uh, turnover weight was at the previous week turnover weight was trading at um, total turnover for the week stood at uh, 2.06 billion. Davis, just um, share your thoughts. Yeah, I believe a lot of the turnover was driven by some of the results that were given out, uh, particularly with regard to banks. So I think among the top gainers were banks such as NCBA, KCB, and the like, who um, was announced decent results and also gave out a dividend, which was good. So I'd expect the same trend to continue up until when books closure comes. Yeah, for especially these large cap companies. All right. Um, at the same time, I know I know maybe what what you're expecting. Last week, um, BAT closed uh, their books. I know uh, one of the stocks that guys were really looking into as a dividend stock was um, BAT. Uh, and just to share your thoughts, Davis, what would you think would happen to BAT as it goes ex-dividend today? <laughs> I'd expect the share price to dip as usual. Um, 
So companies like these, uh, a lot of individuals come in hoping to, you know, chase the dividends and then exit uh, when, you know, they're already locked into the book. So they'll receive the dividend and then they sell off their shares. So um, I would expect a sell off, but the company prospects are really good. I like the the fact that uh, they've what mechanized a lot of their operations, you know. So they've really reduced the expenses, and so going forward, it seems that the company will really benefit from these these cost optimization measures that they've been putting into place. Very interesting. And and just in case you're wondering, guys, I'm just checking through the Hisa app uh, today. And, and I can see that uh, BAT as a company has actually dropped to date. It's the top loser currently, uh, dropping about 5.3% uh, on market. BAT is now trading at a price of 449 uh, I think that's um, quite a decline considering that BAT is a fundamentally stable stock. So one of the things that I think an investor would really be timing into is at such a time, if you can get your hands on BAT, um, it would be something that you can actually pick because BAT, I'm seeing it's already dropped by about um, just the price change, about 25 shillings, um, something that's way big. So if, if an investor would be smart enough on the market, then these are the time when you can now start accumulating those stocks that you probably uh, be buying uh, for long term. So that's one thing that guys can actually um, try and look at. Uh, also, just to give guys a little bit on the demand and supply for the market, there's demand for 1,500 shares at 400 shillings, and uh, that's 400 shillings per share for BAT. And supply, total supply is 4,800, with a supply starting from 450 shillings per share. This is data that you can always be able to get on the HISA app. So I guess that was that, Davis. But then also now looking at company-specific um, performance, yeah. Let's let's maybe start with companies that were in the news last week, starting with Jubilee Insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So just looking at a quick overview of their results. So they posted a 1.7% growth in after-tax profits. So that grew to 4.1 billion. So it was a bit flat, to be honest. Um, and then the gross and premiums moved up by 2.4%. Um, their total income grew by 0.9%. Uh, to 33.1 billion and yeah the operating the results of operating activities dipped by 4% to around 3.9 billion um i would say that the the company i find jubilee insurance a, a really good insurance company while looking at these results they're not all that good with regard to the underwriting business i'm, I'm i've mentioned this here before a few times insurance underwriting is very unprofitable okay so you'll find that loss ratios so for viewers or listeners who may not understand a loss ratio is when you take uh, the amounts that's paid out and divided by the net premiums of the company so you know uh, an insurance company gets premiums and then it pays them out uh, depending on the claims that are made etc so loss ratios are often quite high for insurance companies. And then when you add expense ratios, expense ratios is when you take operation, operating expenses and then you divide them also by net premiums. Uh, when you take these two, you'll get something called a combined ratio, you know, a combination of the two. You'll find that these things are, for a lot of insurance companies, except uh, Kenya Re, from what I've seen in recent years, 
these ratios tend to be above 100%, which shows that the underwriting business, the actual insurance business is quite unprofitable. The reason why insurance companies do well is that they move a lot of their gross premiums and invest that money. Unfortunately for our local stock markets, um, a lot of these insurance companies have been investing in equities. Uh, these equities have been underperforming, low, um, they have been, they're barely getting any dividends and the like, which is affecting the investment uh, income. Jubilee is the outlier of sorts in that majority of the money that it invests is in government securities. You know, there's a lot of stability with regard to their income. They also get uh, rental income and the like, which is so their investment portfolio is largely different from a large chunk of other insurance companies. Oh, by the way, when insurance company, when, when the stock market recovers, God willing, it recovers soon, insurance companies will do really well, just, just to put that up there. So, with regard to Jubilee, uh, I know that they sold um, some of the, the what, shareholding within the company recently. They sold, uh, they entered into an agreement with um, Allianz SE, that's the largest um, general insurer in the world. So, Allianz is supposed to take a majority stake of between 51 to 66%, while Jubilee will retain a minority. And this is in the general insurance business. So general insurance covers property, casualty, uh, cars, and the like. And to be honest, the general insurance business, especially in those particular line items like property and casualty, the returns tend to be significantly lower. So it's understandable why Jubilee would sell a stake and then focus on their medical business that has higher uh, margins. So we're still yet to see the effects of that deal, but hoping they'll be good going forward. Uh, it's a good thing that they're focusing on higher margin business rather than these low uh, margin ones, because again, the underwriting business is quite unprofitable. Um, unfortunately to note, the, the, div the dividend payout ratio, you know, the amount of dividends uh, that's paid out is a percentage of the profit after tax is quite low. It's it's around ten percent. Yeah. Yeah. So if you love dividends, uh, unfortunately, you may not be doing. Um, the, 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 the kind of um, dividend turnovers that guys would really want. Yeah, it's it's not the greatest. But the hope is that they're using these retained earnings um, to buffer up or to beef up um, their core business, which shareholders are supposed to profit in the long term through share price appreciation. Uh, at least that's the hope, yeah. Something very interesting, Davis. Um, I know guys Guys are probably wondering, in short, would you would you be able to just um, tell guys what, what, what are your thoughts on Jubilee? Do you think somebody can buy Jubilee as a company right now on the stock, uh, on, on, on the stock market, on the NSC? And also if guys are wondering, Jubilee is yet to trade on the market, but prices for last week, Jubilee closed at um, 282 uh, and 25 cents on the market per share. Yeah. So, Davis, do you think guys could buy? Do you think that it, it's a good opportunity to buy into Jubilee at this time? Uh, well, first of all, this is not investment advice. This is These are merely opinions that we're, we are giving. Um, personally, I'd, I'd say hold. Um, because honestly, you have to wait to see the outcome of them selling this general uh, business line of insurance to, uh, what's it called, to Allianz. You, you need to see the impact of that, how they optimize the money that's been placed in, how efficient they are at allocating capital and the like, and then uh, see the end result of that. Because it's a bit concerning when you see <laughs> the underwriting business 
you know, doing as high losses as they do, as much as underwriting, honestly, is uh, really, uh, there are lots of losses there. But, but but then the losses are generally raising a, a little bit of an alarm. Yeah, yeah, those are raising a, a little bit of an alarm because another company like Kenya Re, those are really low. Their combined ratios should be around, they should be lower than 70%, if I'm not mistaken. So I would say who like really look into this company. And then depending on how you analyze the future prospects, how you uh, how you've seen management in their comments give guidances to the future of the business, uh, how well you think they'll allocate their capital with regard to the medical sector, me- medical arm of uh, the insurance line. Depending on these factors, you can ascertain whether going forward the company will do really well. But I wouldn't be all too bullish in that particular regard. But these are just my opinions. All right. Um, something very interesting, Davis. Maybe another company that we can touch on. I don't know if you really looked at it, but I hear the results were pretty impressive. Mm. Um, could be Flame Tree as a company. Um, Flame Tree Group uh, posted, I think, one of the best returns in a while. Uh, I think the year last year was pretty good to them. Um, so I don't know if you've really had a look. I personally haven't had a look on Flame Tree, the the results um, as a company, but. You can just let me know what you think if you have had a look and also just to tell guys the share price activity for flame trick wasn't really uh didn't really it really didn't raise eyebrows on the market despite that i think also because they did not declare a dividend um what i know is that the company declared returns of about um a 64 percent um, increase in pre-tax profit to about 148 million that's from 90.5 million that the company had posted in 2019 so I'm I'm just concerned. Um, these companies like Flame Tree that they're making returns. Investors are definitely concerned. If uh, and for guys who are listening, this is why a lot of guys on the NSC are always looking on dividends. It's because getting capital returns on the market it's quite a challenge. You have to you definitely uh, need to put in a long term outlook so that you can be able to. Uh, to, to put in um, capital gains. How long term is long term? <laughs> it could be 50 years. Long term. Just, just, yeah, just know that long term is long term. So, Because, you know, uh, as it's always said, anytime you invest in the stock market, you need to be prepared. You, you can assume that the market will be shut for the next 20 years, then you get your money back. But also at the same time, there's a lot of, I always, I always, um, whenever somebody says that, I personally disagree. Because, Davis, this is what I say. Um, I usually say that if I invested in KQ with that same um, thought, if I invested in ARM with that same mentality, if I invested in Uchumi with that same mentality of investing and, uh, and forgetting about, about, about your investment, oh man. You'd be, you'd be drowning in tears right now, and yeah, two companies are not even trading. Hey, Uchumi is on a race yeah. to zero. My goodness. Hey. Anyway, um, I understand what you're saying. Actually, uh, that's quite true. So, as, as we mentioned before, you know, investors you profit in two ways when a company announces results. Um, in the short term, the, there's a phrase that goes in the short term, the market is a voting machine, while in the long term, it's a weighing machine. So, that phrase means that in the short term, people act on uh, what short-term results and the like, while in the long term, the fundamentals of the company are what play out uh, 
and result in either share price increment or share price decrease. So essentially in the ideal market, which has good liquidity, which has uh, good pricing mechanisms and the like, and helps to unlock shareholder value, um, when a company announces good results, you know, in the long run, the share price is supposed to reflect that. In our NSC, as uh, Felix has mentioned, a lot of the times it turns out that investors actually look for dividends, <laughs> you know, because it seems that's where returns tend to be, especially considering how long we've been in a bear market of sorts, which is unfortunate. Uh, but anyway, uh, back to Flame Tree. So they announced that their revenue went up 20%, 2.9 billion. Their net profit was up 67% to 75.2 million. Their earnings per share uh, were 0.42 uh, shillings. So they didn't announce a dividend, as was mentioned. I haven't really looked at the results all too closely. But I, if I'm not wrong, the company really does announce, let's say, one year profits, one year losses. Um, if I'm not mistaken, really hard to gauge that. I I don't know I don't know what's really up with companies like Flame Tree. Maybe maybe I, I, that's that's why it's so hard to look at it because you you might develop the interest to look at a company, then you try and do the analysis for the past five years and then it becomes very depressing for you as an analyst. So, um, I I, I personally don't know um what what we're really looking up to in the long term for Flame Tree. And I think that's why, because, you know, investors, even if you're having a long-term outlook for a company, you need to be very certain that the company's returns are going to be sort of like um, get get a little bit of, of an uptrend, even if it's over the next, um, even if it's over the next 10 years, but something that's solid. So the fundamentals are promising. For for the NSC, on the other hand, companies like Flametree, Flametree will post a profit of $143 million this year. Next year, they're likely, they will post a decline, another year profit. And then also at the same time, Flametree, I think, borrowed about $1 billion last year. Oh. So them making a profit when during the time when COVID hit in. So them making a profit of $143 million. It's like Kenya. If it's like Kenya as a country borrowing $200 billion and only getting um, $25 billion in terms of tax revenue. So um, that's one thing. But okay, the for listener... Oh. Tell us, uh, Felix, what does Flametree do? You know, someone could be hearing and be like, hey, I've never heard of this company. Flametree? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, so I think Flametree deals with a variety of businesses. Whatever they do is they have uh, a few... Uh, it's, it's more like a, a huge company, but has smaller holding companies that do, uh, majorly work in the manufacturing sector. Yeah. Um, if you've probably seen these, um, are they are they Jojo tanks? Or these Roto tanks, they're basically products for Flame Tree. If you if you've probably seen um, other beauty products like Zo, Alana Skin, um, if you probably use um, in construction, they have Buildmat. So they have a lot of companies that really work in there, uh, um, sort of like under their uh, the company. So. It's a small company, but they've really bought into either they've bought into these other companies or they've bought um, a lot into these other small companies. So I don't know. Maybe the first thing we need to really understand is what business is is Flametree really moving into. Um, how many people are buying tanks, or are we getting guys? Um, are we having a more efficient water supply system in the country? Because mm. those are some of the questions you need to ask yourself. In the next 20 years, will we still be needing um, plastic tanks everywhere? 
Because we've actually started seeing guys even within homesteads, guys are actually uh, moving to the to, to the to the metallic tanks. Um, how often do you just see a truck when you're traveling on the road? How often do you just see a truck carrying tanks? Guys are now moving to piped water back to their homes. So, yeah, it's... please, that is not that does not mean that frame tree doesn't have a future. We still know that the 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 cosmetic side is still also trying. But just how many other cosmetic companies are coming here are coming up on a day-to-day basis? So there's a lot of things that we need to understand. Yeah, there was a new cosmetic one announced uh, that's actually supposed to list. Oh yeah, yeah. it's called what? It's called Af- Africa African Sun. hair. Yeah, Africa hair. African yeah, yeah. hair. I, I don't know. I don't know what African hair really does. Let me guess. They you know do African hair. <laughs> Because uh, Af- I, I don't know, maybe they do African hair. I wouldn't want to comment on African hair because what I know is that they said last week that they would be coming into the NSC. They want to list on the NSC. But it really, you know, one thing that I've, I've, I've really said is companies like African hair that want to list on the NSC, they need to really understand that um, investors on the NSC are not, are not like, um, we're not as dumb as we used to be, just so, so to speak. So um, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me let me just let me just say it. Let me let me say this as 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 harsh as it may sound. Investors on the NSC are not as dumb as we used to be. We've been hurt on IPOs, and we are not willing to get um, hurt in any other IPO. Uh, so African Hair, if you come in and list um, any any company, African Hair. I know it's a Danish company, but. Yeah, waiting for their prospectors yeah. to come out. So yeah, let's let's look. wait for their prospectors. Who knows? You know, it might be you know something something amazing. Hey, let's not uh, assume it. <laughs> anyway, we should move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I think I think that's something very interesting. Anyway, um, we'll wait for you guys there once again. If you come down, we'll also just continue waiting for you. The same way we're waiting for homeboys to come to the market. Man, when 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 is homeboy supposed to start trading? Trading. I think we we're waiting for homeboys to start trading in the next quarter, for the oh. shares to start trading. Because we've had homeboys listed on the market at four point six six with a valuation of two hundred and fifty million. Oh man, we'll we'll wait. Once yeah. again, this is not an investment advice. I might be saying, oh man, and I'm waiting to buy or I'm waiting to sell. But you can buy and sell, yeah. Make some profit. Uh, but that's one thing that we'll be able to also just generally have um, a look at. Yeah. So uh, guys, um, just to also once again touch on a few things. Davis, there, there are a few companies that maybe we would just want to mention. I know guys are waiting for the main um, three companies. We've already talked about Jubilee BAT. So I know guys are waiting for Safaricom, um, KCB, and Equity as usual. But before we get into that, Davis, last week we saw um, TransCentury Limited as a company. Uh, it's it's interesting that on Monday we were actually talking about TransCentury and, and East African cables. Yeah. TransCentury moved up about 18%, um, giving guys about, uh, yeah, generally, from um, 103 to 122 in share price activity. But then at the same time, we also saw on the loser's side, can general drop by about um, twenty one by about ten um, percent to twenty one shillings and sixty cents. I don't know. I don't know what what your thoughts are, but as you look onto TCL, what I'd want to mention about can general is it's interesting uh, for can general. 
just for everybody to really understand, Can General really had small volumes traded last week. Um, some of these companies, what we need to start understanding on the market is that most of these companies that trade on the market, they, they basically move um, huge percentages, but it's because of the share price activity and the volumes. Uh, for Can General, for instance, you'll find that about 400 shares traded last week, um, but you, you might just be wondering, um, why has it gone down 10%? It's just because maybe somebody didn't have an opportunity, um, a good uh, sell or buy uh, opportunity. So they decided to just come in and just sell at whichever price they can be able to manage. Yeah, uh, looking the, for an easy exit. Yeah, looking for an easy exit. Yeah, I'm always cautious, um, especially when I look at companies that are trading this low. You know, looking at uh, TransCentury, the year-to-date performance, they're down almost 16%. As much as in the week they gained, yeah, they gained 18%. Well, um, but looking at the share price, honestly, and considering that there hasn't been significant information as pertains to the company, I would say that this is a lot of speculation. So you enter for the short term, uh, possibly when you do your technical analysis, you see that the company has been oversold, you enter a position and you exit uh, quickly, quickly. may not be uh, what something of significance. And I'd really discourage people from doing such trades because it cuts both ways, honestly. You can yeah. you can enter with the mindset of ah you know this thing has dropped it's now trading at one that thing could drop to zero the company can announce bankruptcy tomorrow honestly you know I, I really never understand this mindset of ah let's say a company like BAT is trading at four hundred that means of course to buy hundred shares you need forty thousand that is not expensive buying a share that's trading at let's say five and the company prospects are horrible, it's, it's just declining. Yes, you're spending less money, but you're losing in the long term. Like if the company continues to lose value, you know, drops in share price, etc. I wouldn't suggest that people enter our market, especially with speculation in mind, but rather with um, the aim to invest for the long term. Especially when you consider our trading costs, you know, you have to make 4 to 5% just to uh, what break even with regard to trading costs alone, it, it really doesn't make sense to enter short term positions and exit. Though I could be wrong, you know, there are those who pro possibly profit in this, uh, even though statistically speaking, short term traders is it 80% of them who usually fail? <laughs> like, worldwide. I, I honestly, I think maybe just in my honest opinion, I, I usually tell uh, guys who come and ask me for advice on trading that. If you're looking to invest on the market and going with a short-term perspective, there's a 99% chance that you you will actually lose. So I always tell guys, um, when you're coming into the market, there are short-term gains. Yes, it's there's an opportunity. There's usually a possibility of you getting a short-term gain, but let it come on its own. Don't try and and outdo the market. So I've seen a lot of guys out here tell guys, oh no, you know, you can actually make a hundred percent within one year on the market. I'll pick for you guys talks. Let me tell you guys today that unless you have, unless you actually have inside information, you can never tell which way a stock is going to go. I'm telling you guys that as an open advice so that you can know at any point before you invest, always buy even fundamentally stable stocks. You can buy Safcom today at 38 and tomorrow it will close at 37. 
while at the same time you're hoping. So in the long run, if it's fundamentally stable, you know that in the long run, the fundamentals will always catch up. That would mean a positive um, gain on price. But if it's short term and you think you can make some 50%, like we see guys do on Wall Street. <laughs> yeah, and actually, um, globally speaking, I remember I was reading an article recently that actually advocated that you shouldn't try to beat the market. You can imagine that majority of fund managers don't actually beat the market. Uh, this is now using the S&P 500 as a reference point. So it's better to actually be an index investor, to invest in the entirety of the market, uh, even though index investing now comes with a lot of risk considering the concentration on particular portfolios. But anyway, that's another discussion. So it's better to actually invest in the entirety of the market, move with the market as the market goes to the economy, etc., rather than imagining that way, you're, you know, you have like your laptop and everything, you're ready to go. There's a, a fund manager out there with teams of people and analysts and the like. They are looking at the stock market 24-7 and they're trying to get, you know, the 10% returns. Then you imagine you can beat them and still the market beats the majority of them on a statistical basis. It's, it really is unlikely. It's, 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 it's usually yeah. said that in the end, the house always wins. Yeah. So guys, and the house is not the house is never the fund market the fund managers or you. At any point, the house is the person who's going on the opposite side. So always just do your in-depth analysis, do your fundamental investing, but always don't get into the market with a short-term outlook. As an investor and as an investment bank as well, usually what I tell guys is if you're coming into the market and you know very well that you're looking into less than holding that money for less than one year. I won't lie to you that we can be able to make things um, change. But nevertheless, guys have made money. There are guys who bought um, Nairobi Business Ventures, um, not knowing that it would it would be it would it would come back trading at five shillings. Yeah. I know I know a few guys who bought about a hundred shares and it came back trading at five shillings and fifty five cents uh, before the end of last year. So yes. Sometimes you can make these returns, but just as we mentioned, have that long-term outlook, but also in the, at, at the same time, just get to really understand that um, these can these are not um, uh, they're not guaranteed returns, mostly on the market. And like bonds, where you really have data for bonds, um, uh, you you know that the coupon rates or money market funds, markets are okay. I won't say the word, but markets are a mess. Um, but at times, markets are really good. I know, I, I know I'm saying Have you things. Said everything? That, oh man, yeah, sorry, sorry now. guys. But then, um, so Davis, maybe one thing that we can also touch into that guys are really interested in is last week we saw a lot of activity on Safaricom. Um, Safaricom last week um, held, and I think it's becoming a little bit of a cliche where every Monday we have to say that Safaricom had more than 50% um, in terms of trading on the market. But it's the truth. <laughs> Is it? I mean, that's where all the money goes. Okay, a lot of money goes, uh, large funds tend to hold. Actually, there's a report that came out recently um, with regard to what public entities hold, you know, so NSSF and the like. A lot of it, you know, is discounted securities and equities. Equities, of course, are focused on uh, the five stocks, five so companies. Uh, the five companies, uh, Safaricom, Equity, KCB. <laughs> Just know the oh my god, it's uh, ABL, BAT. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, but last week Safaricom had about 51.2 percent. Uh, 
that's generally just as we always say safaricom had more than 50 percent in terms of um the total week's traded value safcom uh closed the week uh, a bit higher 5.79 percent uh, at 38 shillings and 40 cents uh, that's from 36 uh, shillings and 30 cents where it had closed down last week so the turnover for the market just so that you understand the turnover for the market last week the total turnover was 2.3 billion and safcom traded 1.2 billion wow. it's quite significant and then looking at it in terms of um in terms of uh, activity general um foreign activity we're still seeing um foreign investors taking advantage because the whole of last week on monday um foreign investors held about 55.9 percent of the total market participation on tuesday 78 um on wednesday 55 again 73 percent uh on 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 thursday and then on friday we are seeing uh, about 65 percent and for you guys to really understand just how foreign statistics really work is that when foreigners are not in our market our turnover is very low mm. an example is when the market turnover was uh, on on monday when foreign activity was at 55.9 um, percent our market turnover was very low at about 394 million um and i would explain to you guys what it really means when we have a turnover of less than um a billion on the market um really to just explain is that our market the total um, overall activity and generally also to explain how investment banks would also be able to be hit when market activity is low is you find that when foreign or fund managers give you uh, an order to make on the market they will always give you both the buy side and the sell side so if our market turnover is at about 394 and we're seeing foreign participation on that day uh foreigners took about 220 million so that means if even they came in and took 200 million and gave to just one broker to do what we call a cross trade on the market then they've basically left um our our other 22 brokers to all compete for um fairly about 194 million yeah. If if another guy came, if a fund manager who is now a local individual came into the market with fifty million or a hundred million, they've actually left um, twenty one brokers on the market to compete for about ninety four million. So I think it's man, a foreign de- denominated. Yeah, so the foreign the foreign investors really are taking advantage, and I think local investors are not taking advantage of the market as well because our local investors, first of all, we are always looking for stocks that are trading at lower prices. If it's these ones that are trading at a higher prices, we always feel like we've been hit on to them. Yeah, and then also investor education is a real issue in Kenya. I know ten percent, less than ten percent of. The population actually invests in stocks, statistically speaking, which is unfortunate. I think we need to invest more in investor education. Uh, but the, but but you know you know Davis, um, not really. To, don't I? I don't really mean to hit on the NSC with this. But mm-hmm. last week we saw that the NSC is actually charging guys to train you. The NSC is is charging to to tell you what a stock is. The NSC would charge you. Uh, and, and I saw that one. Somebody had actually challenged the NSE. I hope they'll take action to it. 
Um, but on the other sources, I think it, it really needs to start with the NSC. Um, I would really want to mention that I've seen a few companies, mostly investment banks, I've seen both NCBA and Ganges Capital really pick up on investor education actively, doing almost week-to-week webinars. I think that's something that's been good. But also not to mention, we're seeing HISA doing a, little, a lot of investor education, <laughs> like what we're doing today, purely investor education, and it's for free. Uh, so that's one thing I'm really hoping that we'll be able to just um, have a look into um, uh, in the end. So Safaricom Davis, just as we're speaking, do you think that Safcom would, would likely continue this up climb in terms of share price? Uh, yes, of course, as usual. It's long-term fundamentals haven't changed significantly. The, the only thing you'd ever actually be concerned about is if they're forced to spin off the Mpesa division or if Airtel takes up more market share in light of the company being forced to share its infrastructure. I saw a, re- a report that was tabled actually in that particular regard that infrastructure is supposed to be set up such that no, legislation is supposed to be set up such that Safaricom can share its infrastructure. If that happens, that would mean that more people would move, are likely to move to Airtel because, you know, lower costs and the like. It might actually force Safaricom to reduce their prices, which would be good for consumers. It would be bad for capitalists because now, you know, they've set up the infrastructure, then you're forcing the company to <coughs> share it with others, which is not the greatest. But consumers would really profit. Uh, Safcom itself is would likely lose... Uh, market share, they've actually been losing a lot. Uh, not that much, but they've lost... ASL commanded around 17% of the market, now they command around 27 So if they're forced to share infrastructure, Airtel, it would likely become a duopoly at some point. But, but then... Um, that hasn't happened yet, so... I think, I think in my opinion, Davis, mm. just, I think that shouldn't happen, man. Yeah. It's like, it's like building your homestead and then you're being given guys... <laughs> to come live there. <laughs> Yeah, to, to, to generally, you're, you're now being told to just give guys your house. Um, you give, start giving guys rooms. Yes, yes, Eric. Uh, very interesting discussion. It feels like today you guys are on a rant. <laughs> you're not scaring anyone. <laughs> anyway, uh, on Majas uh, Southcom, I, I also feel like, um, and especially on, on, on Airtel, I think a few things might work in Airtel's favor slightly, uh, you know, in the short to midterm. Um, I think their merger with Telcom uh, might still be back on, given that ESCC cleared them, although they have not uh, formally announced that they are going back to the table. Um, but I feel like even the infrastructure sharing, um, that, that legislation, I don't think it might it will do them eventually um, much good because even at the moment there is mobile money inter- interoperability, but they haven't really used they haven't really um, used it, you know, as people thought that it would actually uh, make people adopt Airtel money more. Yes, there is about I think the report said about 170k. Um, agents now use uh, Safaricom agents actually now uh, you know transact Airtel uh, transactions um, due to that law, but we haven't seen really Airtel Airtel's money or telecom you know cash um, that percentage market share in mobile money rise because I think Safaricom still controls ninety eight percent. So yes, the infrastructure might be a boost uh, in the short term. Uh, but I feel like 
Airtel's best bet is, is the merger with Telcom uh, uh, for two reasons. First, because Telcom actually has very good infrastructure. Um, in Nairobi, yes, uh, if you look at even even their 4G, it's quite you know uh, much better than Airtel. So that might actually boost them. And even countrywide, Telcom actually has average and better um, network than Airtel, so that might uh, play to their advantage. Um, and also the other thing that then at least them together, they would, they would actually own some 34% market share, which would be half of what Safaricom currently have. So again, it would actually uh, elevate them to competing status. And if there isn't government uh, directive for Airtel to um, sell at least thirty percent of their shareholding if they are able to get you know a, a very good um, or strategic partner to take up that uh, shareholding and actually drive uh, the vision. Uh, I, I feel like they could finally be able to at least challenge Safaricom uh, both on uh, on voice uh, data and maybe uh, eventually uh, on mobile money. Okay. Uh, Jackson, uh, thanks a lot for the contribution. Let me just ask you one question. Do you still see Safaricom as being, um, do you still see Safaricom from the same angle as it's being looked at right now or in the next, in the next five years? Uh, I know we disagree with Davis on this, but <laughs> for me personally, I, I, I see Safaricom spinning off M-Pesa within the next uh, three years. Um, and Davis, again, this is not a, it's, it's not a bad thing uh, for, for, for shareholders. I feel like Safaricom as a telco is much, would be forced to be innovative. Um, they would definitely have to get the Ethiopian license, they might actually venture out of out of Kenya uh, to set up uh, telco facilities, you know, in countries um, around, and that might be a good thing. Eventually, of course, their balance sheet would take a huge hit when Mpesa, uh, you know, is 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 pinned off. But I think the in in the midterm uh, in year four or five, they they recover that and actually become a strong company, a strong telco company, um, and then. The other thing is, uh, I see now Mpesa, you know, the the spin of you know being a strong fintech player that can then play uh, across the continent. Um, because actually, did you know that Mpesa is actually live in eighty six countries? Yeah. So just that fact only, you know, already tells you that Safaricom is. Safaricom or M-Pesa is actually sort of like a sleeping giant because if, if, if they really didn't have all that baggage of the telecom, the government stake, Vodacom stake, you know, pulling them down, they could actually be more agile to then uh, be a fintech company that um, has footprint in much more countries than just uh, Kenya. Yeah, actually like that perspective. Um, and I do, to a large extent, agree with you. The problem actually Safari confesses if it were to try to expand outside Kenya more, would be Voda, Vodacom or Vodafone, one of those. The parent, the larger entity can... Vodafone. Vodafone, yeah. So the larger entity is unlikely to allow such vast expansion for the, uh, the smaller company. That's why they do mostly what joint ventures like... M-Pesa Global, I know Safaricom owns 50% of it. 
uh, Vodafone owns the other 50% with regard to the Ethiopian. Okay, with regard to Ethiopia, I know Safaricom is taking majority, uh, even though they are moving as a, not a conglomerate, what is it called? Okay, they are moving as a group of companies in, in that particular regard. So if M-Pesa were to be spun off, and honestly, uh, looking at com- Safaricom Financials, M-Pesa Global was their driving factor. Revenues, as, as is kind of obvious, when a company, a company, you know, goes through, is it four stages? So there's that early stage, and then there's the growth stage, and then now there's the maturity stage, and then now there's decline. At decline, you need to now start, um, what's it called? You need to now start adapting to the environment. You now need to look into new business lines and the like. And all things considered, while that move would force Safaricom to really innovate, I really do struggle in seeing markets that they can be innovative in other than the Ethiopia because of the, let's call it oversight by Vodafone, which is now you know, in more countries than Safcom and it will stay as such. Yeah, going for so uh, just, just to clarify to guys, it's actually Vodacom. Oh, it's not, Vodacom. Yeah, not. <laughs> it's like, they, they're usually confusing. It's usually confusing. Yeah, yeah. So, so Vodafone used to hold um, the majority stake back then, and then they moved it to Vodacom. Uh, so I know that that's one thing. So, uh, guys, I know we've been here for a very long time. Uh, we've been here for some time today. Uh, maybe as we conclude, um, I know we've talked about Safcom, and just to give guys an insight, Safcom has has had a. Okay, I don't know if there's somebody. Uh, so, generally, just to tell guys how um, the company is trading right now, and you can always be able to check um, this. You can be able to check this data through the Hisa app. I'm seeing Safcom as a company has traded at um, at a price. Today is trading at about 38 on the market. We are seeing demand at about 712,000 and supply at 396,000, that's total. Um, so that means if you want to buy Safcom right now, you can buy them at 38 shillings, but the, sub, the offers, um, the demand is slightly lower at about, um, a stable demand is at 37.8 um, shillings. And I'm also seeing Kathy is saying with a 52-week trading range of 25.95 and 39.9 generally. And I think this is uh, up to Davis. Uh, what what would be the best entry po- entry price um, entry point for Safcom? <laughs> yeah, it it really does, does depend on. Do you value Safaricom as a telecommunications company or <laughs> as, a, as a as a what? As a money transfer <laughs> service, <laughs> you know. It depends on how you value it, because people have been saying it's overvalued since it was like at nineteen or something, yeah. and now look, it's at thirty nine. There's a lot of noise out there. Yeah. So do you value it as a tech company? Do you value it as a community telecom company? It really. Uh, does depend. I need to look at the charts to see, you know, if rather a pullback is imminent or anything. Because it seems like no matter what happens, the company just keeps on going up. You know, in a bear market, it still goes up. Uh, there's a global pandemic, ah, it still goes up. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, guys, guys, guys react, but then we investors will overreact. Uh, so um, I know as we look onto the insurance sector, we'll take a, an in-depth look next week. I'm seeing there's a file that has been has been shared and I know Davis will have a look at it and we can be able to have a discussion on that next week. 
Uh, finally, as we end today's session, um, within the next, as we start wrapping up, I'll just share with you guys a few insights. Uh, you can always get data that I share with you through the HISA app and even the recordings for podcasts like this one, you'll be able to uh, to get it later on on the HISA app. Uh, I'm seeing Equity Bank, which we had mentioned earlier on, is trading at a considerable discount in my opinion. Um, equity's demand is 510,000 and supply is 226,000. Uh, Equity Bank currently uh, is trading at a price of a stable uh, demand is at 38.55. So generally, when we, when we mention a stable demand or a stable supply, that means generally where the bulk of the demand or where the bulk of the supply is at. So usually, as what I would tell you is whenever there is a stable supply at a certain price, you can either bid with them or bid just slightly above that price. An example is if 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 equity bank is trading at a price of 38 shillings and 55 cents, if you wanted to buy equity bank today on the market, don't get in and buy it at 38 shillings and 95 where the supply is. You can always bid on the market and this is what I know um, in when we get in touch on public education, this is where local investors really also miss out is most of us usually want to buy on the market. Very few of us would buy, would bid on the market. Um, and also some of us would always bid way too low. Um, an example is if equity is trading at 38 shillings and 95 cents, why would you go and, and bid at 36 shillings, surely? So you have a long term. Okay. You're waiting for it to drop even more significantly. Oh, Who knows? With the dividend drought and everything. Yeah, yeah, but I think you can if it's if if the stable supply is at uh, stable demand is at thirty eight shillings and fifty five cents, you can bid at thirty eight fifty or you can bid at thirty eight sixty where some investors have just put their bids right now. On the other side, on supply, supply is spread out quite evenly. We are seeing supply from thirty eight shillings and ninety five cents, and also some supply at thirty nine, then thirty nine fifty, all the way to forty. Um, but then the greatest supply today on Equity Bank is at 42 shillings and 50 cents. Um, and just to tell guys, considering the margins that we have on our market, unless something really happens, something big really happens, um, for Equity Bank to move from 38 shillings to 42 shillings, uh, I'm guessing they have that mindset because Equity and KCB tend to move together, and KCB is currently trading at. 42. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, actually. Yeah. And also, um, sorry to cut Felix off it's okay. a bit short. We have some, you know, results that we're looking forward to. Unfortunately, we don't normally have a, a calendar of sorts that shows uh, this company is announcing results on this date, this one on this date. But notable companies are like Bamburi. I would expect them to release results this week, maybe the one after so we can have a look at that. Also, waiting on Nation Media. Those will be Quite interesting results, and uh, I know, I know, I know, I know. Erika Suma is really, really waiting for Nation Media. Yeah, and others like others yes. like Britam. Yes, yes, Jackson. But I know, uh, uh, but I know the the events, um, the event section is one that we are closely monitoring on Hisa, um, and I think given the new update that you have, uh, you know, early testing the lucky ones <laughs> already has the uh, upcoming events and also that should be something that would be accessible to everyone now uh, going forward uh davis oh, okay. yeah yeah I, i'll actually share with guys a little bit of a snip of what we are working on here 
uh, for which should be up within the next few weeks. Okay, so since we've been here for over an hour, <laughs> I hope we haven't bored you guys. Hey, tell us on the chat. It's, 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 it's always interesting, um, but I'm seeing today we have we, we have guys. It's also, I know Monday is also very tricky with guys at work and everything. It becomes a little bit of a challenge. Um, but also for you guys, just to give you a final overview, we've mentioned about KCB. Um, demand for KCB is at 273. And you guys don't want to guess the supply. The supply for KCB is at a quill 1.01 million. The supply. So I think KCB with such kind of information, knowing the total demand on one side and total supply on one side, it's actually scary. So um, that's one thing. But uh, let's let's really hope that KCB doesn't come down to meet equity. So if you're always backing your equity sentiments on KCB, it would really be interesting just for you as, as, as an individual to just have an overview of what KCB investors probably are also having a same sentiment and referring to equity as a benchmark. If you're hoping that equity bank is likely to move from 38 to 42 where KCB is trading at, then Davis, how about KCB investors who are at 42 and they're scared that KCB will come down, down right to, to 38. Right. So those are just various scenarios you can always get to look into on the market. But let's really hope that this will be able to have a turnaround generally as markets move. So um, I believe that's it, everybody. Um, if you have any question or any comment, please feel free, share it with us on the comment section. Uh, on the app, at below every podcast, there is a comment section where you can just tell us your concerns on every podcast. And then also for those of you who are with us on the Investors uh, Open Room on Telegram, please always feel free and just let us know your thoughts on the session. Yeah, also, yeah. don't forget to get um, HISA app on your... Just get get the HISA app. If you haven't, if, if you have the app and you haven't signed up, just sign up. It will open a lot of other... Um, opportunities and, and other um, features as well to you on the market. So thank you all and have a lovely week ahead.